Is love a noun or a verb? The answer is yes. Welcome to the Life is Great community. I am Yitzwine, the rabbi of Young Israel, Asia of Las Vegas, and we are exploring this idea of what exactly is love and how do we love each other better. And this is very appropriate for this time of year because, as you know, coming up in a few days is the Jewish date of Tisha B'Av, which is our national day of mourning. It's a 25-hour fast. And we focus on all of the tragedies that have ever befallen the Jewish people. And ultimately, we say the primary reason for the most recent tragedies, meaning in the last 2,000 years, was something called sinas chinam, baseless hatred. And if we can correct that, if we can learn to love ourselves, love each other, love all of humanity better, so then we can actually fix the world and stay away from these tragedies and make the world a much better place. So that's why we're talking about love. Now, last week we were we we were talking about how love is not a happening. It doesn't just come about, um, and love is not something even a, that you choose necessarily to do. But even better that than that, love is an obligation. And I source that in the Torah when it says, kamocha ani Hashem. I am the Lord, your, uh, love your neighbors yourself, I am the Lord. So by the fact that God writes in the Torah, love your neighbor as yourself, that is an obligation. So the question is, what exactly is the nature of this obligation? Is it a noun? Is it something? Is that what love is? It's a thing? Or is love an action? So the answer is yes. <laughs> we say our traditional sources teach us a definition of love. First definition I want to share with you is that love is an emotion that one feels when they identify and appreciate the virtues in another. That is so profound, I will say it again. Love is an emotion that one feels when they identify and appreciate the virtues in another. So therefore, if I look at you and I see your virtues and I identify them and I appreciate them, and if they are significant virtues, then I'm really going to love you a lot. If they're superficial virtues, then I won't love you so much. It makes sense to us. The, we love others because we identify what's special about them. I love my kids when they were so young and they were so adorable, not because they picked their nose and wiped the boogers on the bedroom walls, despite the fact they picked their nose and wiped those disgusting boogers on the walls. I love them because they were cute and they were adorable. And they had so many virtues. They looked just like their father when he was young. Okay, so the idea is that when we focus on what's, special about others, we love them. There is another way, in, in that regard, love is a noun. Um, however, if we go further, love can be a verb as well. It can be that, you know, I, I don't feel love, but God is commanding me to do actions that invoke a loving feeling towards others. So what that would mean is the nicer I am to a person, the more I give to a person, the more I help others, the more I love them. So we find the Torah. So, so Yaakov, our patriarch, Jacob, he was married to, to Leah when Leah went for a little period of time not having kids. She turns and says, Havli Banim, give me children. Havli Banim, the word Hav means give, is related to the word Ahava, which means love. There are two, two words, very similar ideas. The more you give to another, the more you love them. That is why, parenthetically, why children always love their parents more than the parents. Oops, just kidding. That is why parents always love their children more 
then children love the parents because parents give so much more to their children. Parents give and give and give and give and give. Hopefully the children are not in, total ingrates and hopefully they, they respond with a little love and a little giving back. But that's the essence of it. When we, are, when we look at things, we are most often hurt most deeply by the people we love. No parent refuses breakfast to their children because they were kept up all night. Imagine, you know, hey, a guy comes into work, his eyes are all like swollen, they're red. He goes, what's going on? You say, what's going on? Oh, my little, I, you know, my wife gave birth to twins, you know, last month. And they were up, both of them were up all night long. They kept us up all night long. What would you do? Well, I taught them the right thing. I didn't give them breakfast. No one's doing that. You're not taking revenge on your kids. It's not happening. Why is that? The first reason is because God implanted in all of us intuitive sense that children are, are viewed in a certain sense as extensions of ourselves. Now, the good news is we're not going to bear grudges or take revenges on our children, which, by the way, if you look in the Torah, again, look, look right in, in Leviticus, where, you know, chapter 19 there, it says the actual words of the Torah, the words of the Torah are, don't take revenge, don't bear a grudge, love your neighbor as yourself, I am God. Now, don't bear a grudge, don't take revenge, that is paired up with love your neighbor. If you don't bear a grudge and you don't take revenge, then you are able to love your neighbor. That's why, one of the reasons why parents love their children so much. Because I view my children as an extension of me. I'm not going to bear a grudge on them. I'm not going to take revenge on them. So therefore, it's easier. It's much easier to love them. So if you want to get along better with your spouse or your coworkers, don't bear a grudge. Don't take revenge. Don't keep score. Don't say, you did this to me, so I'll do that to you. Right? That's what bearing a grudge is. That's what taking a revenge is. That, that, the, 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 the quality that is required in bearing a grudge and taking revenge is that you're keeping score. You're remembering the bad thing they did. And maybe you'll pay them. Maybe you'll respond in kind in the same way. Or maybe you'll just hold on to it in your heart. But as long as you're bearing a grudge, taking revenge, it's very difficult to love your neighbors yourself. But if you're not keeping score, it's pretty easy. So the good news is that because children are views as extensions of ourselves, we're not going to bear grudges or take revenges on them. The bad news is that for some parents, it's just too difficult to let go <laughs> because they're an extension of me. And we don't let our children live their own life. And that usually breeds a lot of resentment and eventually distance, you know, things that your children will talk all about you to their, their therapists as they grow older, you know, so, you know, so we have to be careful. I want one of the beautiful things that my rabbi, Renaud Weinberg, told me when I was, you know, long for our children was one of the one thing that parents cannot do for their children is live their lives for them. And, you know, and, and as you have children, the children grow, you understand that you, you're, as a parent, we're there to give to our kids. We're just supposed to be in a position of giving, you know, all, all the way. Like, you know, I still get pleasure buying my children dinner, coffee, whatever, you know. And uh, only recently, you know, when my, you know, when my mom is like, you know, not able to, you know, she's very elderly and, and I go shopping for her now and I'm paying for things now. You know, it, it, it's it's a pleasure to give to her, but yeah, and she, she likes that I can do this, but it's really not the way it's supposed to be. Parents are always supposed to be on the giving side and, uh, it, you know, being that, that representative. And one of the reasons, by the way, is because parents are representative of God in a very similar way. God is always giving to us and giving to us and we're in the, re in the receiving and the receiving end. 
So nonetheless, if you are experiencing, a, you know, a, as a, you know, if you're making sure you're not bearing a grudge, taking revenge, um, you know, the, the way the Talmud in its wit uh, writes it, it says that if you are cutting, say you're cutting a, you know, a piece of cheese and you're with the, with your knife and you cut your right hand, then you say right now it's bleeding. Does your right hand pick up the knife and then stab your left hand? It's ridiculous. Why not? Because you're all the same thing. So if we viewed ourselves that other people are an extension of us, now with your children, it's easy to view that. With your wife or your husband, it's a little more difficult to view them as an extension of yourself. But really, one of the reasons that it says at the very end of the verse is, love your neighbor as yourself, I am God, is to recognize we are all God's children. We're all brethren. We're all extensions of each other. So if we realize that you look at humanity, you say, oh my goodness, you know, they're an extension of me. You look at other Jews, you say, they're my family. You know, you're less likely to keep score, bear a grunge, take revenge. You know, you're not going to pick up the knife and, and stab someone. You, you won't do it because they're an extension of you. You realize that when you're happy for others, you bring joy to others. Really, you're helping yourself. When you cause misery, cause other people to be upset, you're really harming yourself. It's that it's it's that it's becoming a very global thing over here. So one of the issues we have to deal with is when it says love your neighbor as yourself. Why is it you like yourself? So I would share with you that if you don't like yourself, you're probably not going to like anybody else. <laughs> love your neighbor as yourself means the first person you have to love is yourself. The more you love yourself, the more capacity you will have to love others. And, and very often, you know, you know this, you know, it's like, you know, you walked into the office, you walk in the home, wherever, and someone yells at you, they scream, they're upset. And you know, it has very little to do with you and a lot to do with whatever is going in their brain, right? Whatever's going on in their life. It has very little to do with you, but you know, it has only to do with them. And, and very often it's because they don't love themselves enough. People who love themselves are very, they're in a good mood almost always. I love myself. I'm in love, right? You know, when you're in love, when you're in love, you know, the world is just roses. If you're in love with yourself, everything is good. What's to be bad, right? Because you love yourself. So I would say this is actually probably the, the biggest prerequisite to loving others is loving yourself. And therefore, a person must train themselves to be kind to themselves. Train yourself to be really kind to yourself. Train yourself to love yourself. Train yourself to look in the mirror and say, gosh, I'm good looking. Boy, I'm fabulous. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with stopping and like saying, oh, I'm like the best guy ever. <laughs> like you should feel great about yourself. Now, that is a huge aspect about, about love. About, uh, it's, it's a prerequisite. So, uh, so you know, I, I, will, I will share with you that I, I kind of... Um, I'm a little ahead of the game on this. I, you know, so one thing that happened to me when I was, I think I was 11 years old. It was the first time, 11 or 12, it was the first time, I, my, and only time, by the way, that I was going away to Jewish summer camp. My experience at Jewish summer camp was not that great. So, but but uh, even though most people's uh, experience is great, but mine wasn't that great. But, but the important part of the story is that before I went to summer camp, I was a little nervous, a little scared. I remember walking into my mother's bedroom. She was laying in bed, drinking coffee, you know, maybe smoking a cigarette. I don't know. Anyway, so she's like there. She walks in. I, I walk in and she notices, this is the day before I'm supposed to go to camp. And she notices I'm a little off. I'm a little nervous. She goes, what's wrong? I said, 
I'm, I'm scared to go away to camp. And then my mother said the most magical words to me. She said, why are you, why are you nervous about going to camp? Everybody who meets you loves you. And from that moment onward in my life, I really believe everybody who meets me loves me. It is so hard for anyone to convince me that they don't love me. I, you have to be so unbelievably rude and mean to me. I just assume everybody I meet loves me. I don't know why my, I was open to that suggestion at the time. And my mother is a very smart woman. She's a very wise woman. I don't know exactly, but nonetheless, she gave me that suggestion at that time where my soul was, was grasped, was ready to accept it and accept it and imprint it permanently. And that's what happened. So it's such a beautiful thing because I know it's taught me to be encouraging to others, which is an act of love, right? And you should be encouraging to others. And you, by the way, you don't know your, your little words of encouragement. They might be just, it might be that ding with that person needs and you change their life. So that's number one. Number two is that they're really a very powerful story in regard to this, in regard to my son, Chemi. So my son, Chemi, when he was 13 years old, we were sending away to uh, yeshiva in yeshiva is a school, a, Jew, a school where, where people learn about Judaism. And uh, he was going for yeshiva high school. And um, he was going to uh, a place called Calabasas, which is just a little north of Los Angeles, I live in Las Vegas. And he's 13 years old, he's going to ninth grade. So he goes for his interview and the, the head rabbi there asked to speak with, his name is Rabbi Gottesman. He said, can I speak with your son for a few minutes alone? So he's sitting in the office and the two of them are chatting. I could see them through the window. And, and afterwards, you know, Sir Rabbi Gottesman sends my son to go open the door, call me in. And, and he says, uh, Rabbi, I want to speak with you by yourself. You know, Chemi, please step outside for a few minutes. And I don't know if Chemi's going to get into the school. I'm a, I'm a little like, you know, I really want him to get in the school. I don't know if he's going to. This is the interview. I don't, who knows how it's going to go? So Rabbi Gottesman turns to me and says, Rabbi Wine, your son, Chemi, likes himself an awful lot. And I did not know what that meant. So I kind of smiled and I said, yes, he does. And then Rabbi Gottesman said, that's very good because if he doesn't like himself, he will never like me. And ain't that the truth? If we don't like ourselves, we don't love ourselves, we're not loving anybody else. You want to prepare yourself to get married? Learn to be nice to yourself. Learn to, learn to, learn to look in the mirror and say, well, I, I'm a catch, right? You want to stay married? Look in yourself and say, I'm a catch. You got, you, you got to be able to do it. It's not arrogant. It's, it's, it's important. Now, the other aspect I'd like to share with you is just this, you know, we will do a, it, it, it says, the word love your neighbor here is actually reacha, which literally means friend. Now we are going to do a complete episode on friendship. We'll do several because friendship is just a really, really important thing. And, and uh, please continue supporting the Life is Great uh, podcast by listening, sharing it around, uh, other kinds of support. It's great. Um, but so we'll talk more about friendship over here. But remember, the idea of a friendship is the primary thing is, is the friends are on the same side. When you look at another person, you know what? You have to say, I'm on the same side. We're on the same team. We're rooting for the same thing. And we do that. Then the last part of the sentence also makes sense when it says, love your neighbors as yourself. I'm God. Everyone's created in the image of God. 
Loving others is not just about your personal pleasure. It's about connecting myself and connecting others with the Almighty. And in the same way we're to be unified with God, we should be unified with others. And when a country is unified, very often by war or some tragedy, right? People gather together, strangers gather together, and they get along with each other. And we saw that that's so important because, you know, that just one one little story from 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 the, the prophets. There was a, a king in the Jewish people. His name was Ahab. Ahab. He was married to the wicked queen Jezebel. They were horrible people. They murdered people. They were terrible. They worshipped idols. They were very. They were successful in every military campaign they ventured out into. They, they, the Jewish people were successful. So why is that? Talmud answers because the people were unified. Even though their leaders were terrible people, the people, the Jewish people themselves were unified. There was trust. We loved each other. We loved each other. God loves us and God just made us successful. So again, we wrap up. We think about the great in the holiday of, of uh, the day of commemoration of Tisha B'Av and the destruction of the base of Megdash, the holy temples which stood in Jerusalem, which was the last one was, it was destroyed in the year 70 CE. It was not destroyed because people did not keep Shabbos. It was not destroyed because people did not keep kosher. It was not destroyed because people did not go to davening or give charity. And by the way, I want you to keep kosher, keep, keep Shabbos. I want you to come to shul and I want you to give charity. But that's not why this was destroyed. It was destroyed because we did not get along with each other. We didn't love each other enough. That's why we're talking about this. And I want to give you a blessing right now that you should be able to use love as a verb and as a noun. It should be a noun because you should it should be you should feel the emotion that you get by focusing on the virtues of others. And also it should be a verb because you are helping others. You're doing the right actions to imbue a positive feeling between yourself and others. And right now, let's go over to my very favorite, Dana, our producer, Dana, who has some of your questions which you've sent into her. And she's going to share some questions with you, some answers. Thanks, Rabbi Wine. Right. Hi, everyone. I have some exciting news, too, which happens to be an even easier way to get your questions. So if you log on, log on, if you go to Apple Podcasts and you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts, there's a link under each episode that allows you to give a recording that goes straight to us. Mm -hmm. So we can hear exactly what you want answered. All right. So without further ado, today's questions. There are, here's the first one. There are so many self-help podcasts, books, articles, YouTube videos that are designed to help people learn how to better love themselves. But so much of the information seems like rhetoric and not very deep. How do you filter the signal from the noise? Oh, that's such a great question. You know, listen, you know, we, yeah, first of all, I, I'm, 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 I'm not quick to disparage any podcast or any, any person's effort to bring goodness in the world. You know, I always say, you know, there's, a, you know, you, you have two eyes, two ears, a mouth and a nose. Everyone looks different, right? And I always say that every soul finds its rabbi. Find Every soul is going to find its 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 mentor. So I think the important thing is to find something that, that makes sense to you, that you you see is valuable and not only entertaining a little bit, but but motivating and that you actually you can see that it's, it's helping you. So um, the main thing is that, that you're right. There are many products out there. You just have to keep going through find the one that makes sense to you hopefully this one speaks to you if you've made it through 19 minutes and you know then it speaks to you and then share it with other people and that's that's how it is but but clearly you know when you're base you're using a bible based a torah based podcast 
then you'll have a lot less just fluff and a lot more uh, information. So beautiful. All right. The next one says, how do you learn to love a person again after they've betrayed you? Okay. So you don't love someone because they betrayed you. You love someone because of what they've done good for you. Now, um, it is very, very important to remember always that forgiveness is not for the other person. Forgiveness is for you. Uh, that we forgive for ourselves. And um, you don't have to necessarily, you can forgive another person uh, for, for betrayal, betraying you and, and never tell them, by the way, because uh, it's not about them. Let them say their story. But again, you, you focus on what's positive and, and that they've done. And in that regard, you love them. So you're not going to love them as much because there's other noise, so, so to speak, the noise of betrayal. But you can still focus on what they've done nice for you. Beautiful. And there's one more. Okay. Okay. So number three says, my siblings and I have little, very little contact with our father. He hasn't been around and doesn't take much interest in partaking in our lives. We love him a ton and miss him, but no matter what we've tried, we can't seem to keep him around us. How do we foster his love slash involvement, even though he's been so absent? So, you know, it's, it starts by sharing, you know, by sharing what's in your life. You know, when two people are sitting there and you want to get in a conversation, it could be a, often the case of a parent or a child, the child's not opening up or speaking. So the way to get the child to open up and speak is for the parent to start talking about his own life. So the same works the other way. If a child shares their life with their parent and starts role modeling what the relationship should be, so very often the parent, the other person will, will come along with it. But in terms of the love, you still have to focus on what the parent did. Parents, you know, help provide life for you, probably change your diapers when you're young. If they didn't change your diapers, you'd be in problems. You know, you'd spend a lot of time with dermatologists. Um, you know, it did some, you know, was a father figure in, on some level and sometimes. And, and, the, and, and by, by making the parent feel uh, that whatever they did do is appreciated. Uh, so then that will engage them by sharing your own life. That will uh, bring them in more. And unfortunately, sometimes, you know, the parents are emotional children, in which case, you know, you have to like be more, uh, you know, appreciative and be more coddling and, and uplifting. Okay, Dana, thank you so much for bringing these and thank you for sending them in. Uh, what is it on behalf of Dana and myself? Uh, keep listening. Life is great. Wonderful having you. Thanks for listening to the Life is Great podcast. Share this with your friends and they will love you for it. If you have questions or comments, please email me at rabbiyitzwine at gmail.com. That's R-A-B-B-I-Y-I-T-Z-W-Y-N-E at gmail. For more content, check out our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Thank you to Dana Rutherford for producing today's episode. And remember, if you decide to make it a great day, then your life will be great. Thank you for listening and being part of the Life is Great community. To keep these podcasts and other awesome programs available for free, please consider making a tax-deductible donation at yiaishlv.org backslash contribute.